You've got a passion for the outdoors, a desire to feel the warm sun on your face, the sound of your fly line whipping through the air, the pop of the water as the fish inhales the fly you just found in the floorboard of your truck. You need to feel the cool waters on your feet, the crisp north breeze of a November morning, the sound of a turkey gobble, the December rut, the chills of an elk bugle in September. It's the longing passion to chase your obsession. This is what we share. This is what we preach. Welcome to Honey Hole Hangout. What's up, everybody? Today we got a great show. I'm pumped. We have myself landed on the mic. We have Gabe. Good morning. And we have our guest, Ryan Gold. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Looking forward to a little... Talking a little fly fishing. Yeah, Good. this is going to be – I'm excited. we got a lot of topics to cover today. Uh, you guys are probably wondering where Zach is. Zach actually came over to record, and then he looked like he was going to die. Well, I, eh, eh, Not yeah, die. Yeah, I mean, that's an exaggeration. He was in pain. Yeah, he was in was pain. So we're like – Bad headache. We released yeah. him yeah. To, uh, to go we home. We took him out to the backyard and just <laughs> – <laughs> We sent him home. Put him to pasture. Yeah. No, no, no. No, so, Yeah. Please come back soon, Zach, because I'm doing the board again. Yeah, man. game's on the board. <laughs> he was asking me what buttons do I hit beforehand. I'm like, oh, man. Well, because I didn't be... want to get stuck. So last time I was running the board, I couldn't find the in- the the outro, you know. So we're sitting there going, like, what, what button is it? It wouldn't mark correctly. So, you know, we wasted, like, 30 seconds trying to hit the button. It was a it was a, it was was a proper crap show, but we, we made it work. I'm looking at that thing, and I, I don't know how I'm, – I'm trying to figure out how y'all – Know how it works. It's got a lot of, well, it's lot of bells and whistles job. on it. I it's can a, do like the yeah. bare minimum. But really, I mean, it's you know, it's pretty straightforward. Does the mic work? Yes. I didn't mute myself. We're already off to a good start. Yep. So, all right, all right, all right, <laughs> all right Gabe. Uh, we have summer of mixing. Summer of mixing. Uh, so running behind today with work, but uh, was uh, able to stop by Specs, and we are trying this evening the Jack Daniels Tennessee Honey Lemonade perfectly mixed with lemonade so it's it's the tennessee honey i don't know if you guys have tried that by itself um which is okay you know it's a low proof um but it's got it's got the little like honey aftertaste and uh and then so it's that uh mixed with lemonade how landon how do you think this compares to we did the crown probably the, like uh, yeah, 30 prob- episodes ago maybe i i'm this is good Especially if it's 100 degrees outside, I think I'm still a fan of the 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 crown the more. crown more only because that one's more tart, more like um like a lemon. This one's head. definitely sweeter. Very sweet, and it, it just the aftertaste. It's really feel that honey. I feel like I yeah. got that that honey aftertaste on my lips. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's good. It's it's, I mean, the first sip I took, I was like, okay, this is this is something. It's different. I it, don't I don't yeah. I don't drink stuff like this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna buy more of it. I can tell you that. I mean, it's not it's not seltzer water, so that's already a good start. Yeah. So. I know I know Mrs. Gold will like this too, so <laughs> it'll 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 go over well at the house, and uh, you know, just need to need to make sure the kids don't get into and it. And I so. can see this too, like the uh, crown mixing with this tea. You were at a tea. tea. Yeah, you were at a tea today. Uh, making an Arnold Palmer. Yeah, it was would f- be very good. It's, it it is very good, especially when you know, again, being hot outside. I think both of those work. If I saw this. And the crown, I'd probably grab the crown. But if I saw this by itself, I'd probably just grab this. No problem. I, it's a four pack. Four packs probably about nine ninety nine. I think it's specs right now. Uh, I don't think this is a, a limited run. I think this is just the normal thing they have. They kind of copied uh, the crown because they had an apple one, and they had uh, a Jack and Coke one already mixed in the can. 
So, and which is again the same thing that uh, that Crown has. So, I don't know. They're they're both good. Now I'm gonna have to try the Crown after y'all's the crown review of that. Good. The, <laughs> the Crown and Coke to me is a perfect Crown and RC Cola taste. It's exactly how it tastes like. And then their the their apple flavor, um, which is the the green box, it's almost like cranberry. Cran Apple and, and Crown. A little bit of throwback there. Do they make RC Cola anymore? Yes, I they think do. they do. I hope yeah, they, they still yeah, make they RC still, Cola. Yes. I'm, yeah. I'm expecting to hear RC Cola. Oh, man, I think that's probably the only like, person they can yeah. get a contract with. Hey, can we make sure? <laughs> like, you know, I, so I guarantee you Coke was not. Coke's like, nah. Yeah, nah, we're, no. we're good. Well, no, well, because, no, no, it says Jack and, well, it says Jack and Coke. Because I don't know if it's Coke. Because if it was Jack and RC Cola, it wouldn't sell. Well, exactly. But Coke's getting in the bandwagon of, of having... You know, a hard soda. Um, yeah, I'd not like. Just the caffeine I'd like stuff. to see that. Like pre-movie, you go to the movie theater and the polar bears are like drinking hard soda. Right, instead of the yeah. so the coke and skating yeah. around and piling yeah. on each other, drink the hard soda, and <laughs> duking it out. Yeah, like a drunk fist fight. <laughs> pre-movie, just pre-movie. <laughs> so, yeah, dude. They're I don't know. They're good. There's other stuff that we need. We need to try for sure. But uh, this wasn't bad. No, I mean this is good for a quick grab. Yeah, very quick grab. Very sweet, very honey aftertaste. It is very sweet. I'm like, I'm still kind of tasting it's that honey. Than, better than seltzer water. Better than seltzer water. I think people are probably at home thinking like, oh, that's. No, it's, it's not. like a oh, canned this lemonade. Is, this is not that. No, yeah, the, it's the, not the, that. That ranch water, seltzer water kind of trend that's sweat. I, I don't know. That that stuff tastes like garbage. You know, this I mean, almost is like country this is, time lemonade This is can. Like, yeah, I mean, this tastes right? like lemonade with a kick. This is whiskey mixed with lemonade in a can. So okay, it was good. I'm glad we picked it up. Now we know, pretty solid. So uh, Gabe, yes. and I are both now employed at Orvis. I am very part time, and Gabe is semi part time. Whatever is the, whatever more part time. Whatever your part time is, I'm a s- one step up above. Yes, and Gabe, uh, although fired from Bass Pro Shops, was not. That's not. Donna what it says. decided to hire him. That's not at what it Orvis. says on the paper. <laughs> I'm hireable. So how was your first shift at this? It was good. It felt weird. It felt weird because it's like you're new, but you're not. You know, it's the same questions. Where's the bathroom? Um, <laughs> you know, it's how, how do I nymph? Yeah, <laughs> how, yeah. What what you know, what what flies do I use? You can fly fish in Texas? Yeah. Um, yeah, and it it was fine. I had a fun time. It was good. The team over there was good. Had a had a good time. And then we got rain. I think that was the weirdest thing. Yeah. I actually got dumped on over there for about 10 20 minutes. Um, so no, it was it was good. It definitely like I said it didn't feel like it was I just felt like I was doing what I was doing over there except I got to not wear green shirts and you know that weird big box store feel. Do you feel like it was busier than the fly shop at Bass Pro? I think it was about the same. I think around the same times where it starts a little slow, builds up where you're just like nonstop for an hour and a half and then tapered off again, you know, towards, towards the afternoon. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, the customers that are at least coming into the fly shop at Bass, they knew what they wanted. And I think it's kind of the same thing here. People that are coming in, like know exactly what they're looking for, what they need, what they need to get hooked up with. So, you just dude, see that. I don't know. Flow. On Saturday, dude, I was running around like crazy. Yeah, like I said, there was about an hour and a half. It was just like nonstop, just nonstop, and then, and then just you know, fluttered off a little bit. But you know, at Bass, you get a lot of random people that would walk in, and you knew as soon as they walked into the into the department that yeah, they're not buying. They're not. 
they could care less about the fly rod. You know, yeah, they're lost. Yeah, yeah. They don't. and then especially right now, I stopped over there. I was really surprised how. You mean no one was over there looking for golf equipment? <laughs> no, because no. that because isn't that the story that that was supposed to be that, a golf section? That's what that I was told early fishing? on that it was going to be it was going to be a golf section. Oh goodness! And then <laughs> and then last minute they changed. And at that time, uh, at that time it was like, what two thousand seven. A lot of the stores had had golf areas. At, at that time, Katie, uh, the Katie's Mills Mall had had a whole section of golf stuff, bags and you know basic stuff, basically like. Whatever you see at Academy is exactly how you would have seen it at Bass Pro. I mean, it's just really, there's like nothing super high end, just you know, basic stuff, golf hats, golf balls, some towels, easy to walk through. And, you know, I think that at that time it was just like, why, why do we even have a golf, a golf thing? So. Yeah. Well, Ryan and I actually met when I worked at Orvis Austin. Yep. Okay. And I was a wee lad, very green. But so. Ryan would come in, shoot, twice a week probably. I was in there a lot. I still go in there. I mean, it's just the the even though like I don't really use like the 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 big brand graphite rods anymore. I still Orvis just the the warranty on it on stuff, right? Yeah. So like boots and reels and you know. Uh, plus, I still get most of my stuff lined up there. You know, I use y'all's line a lot for stuff, and um, I went in there last weekend. Not this, not this past weekend. Two weekends ago, maybe, um, to get a bag. I've been using an old Smith and Wesson gun bag for probably fifteen years, you know, and it just it got to the point where the where the zippers would zip, you know, the the fabric kind of behind the zippers was was torn, so yeah. it like didn't even matter, you know, whether and it didn't even matter if it was zipped up or not. And it just, I mean, the bag was falling apart, but it's it, it was still a good boat bag, kayak bag. I could I could sling it and hike up and down just like the stuff close to the house and uh i fell uh two weekends ago red fishing i just fell right off my my kayak <laughs> i was i was chasing a uh a, a big backing redfish and i just went you know I, I i was dropping the pole picking up my rod and and that that whole fall and that whole sequence kind of was the end of the old gun bag yeah so, gotcha you know, i'd needed something waterproof would you pick up did you pick up the waterproof bag yes sir the yeah. i don't know the exact model but it was the bigger like backpack yeah. type thing mm-hmm. um you know and i just and again because i i know from from 10 15 years ago like i break a rod i take it into orvis and there's just no questions asked you know mm-hmm. the the warranty the customer service on top of that warranty um it's second to none you know i I had a, I was going down to South Padre and like a day or two before the trip, I broke my, my clear water. Right. And I went into the Arboretum store to drop it off. And I made a joke like, Hey, if y'all can get that repaired in the next 24 hours, that'd be great. I wasn't serious, obviously, you know? And, um, and the guy's like, why, you know, what's going on? I told him like, I got a trip. I got, you know, a couple other rods, but this was my, my favorite rod for throwing, you know, redfish flies at the time. And, um, he's like, well, we got a loaner rod for you. And I was like, what do you mean? And he, he, he disappears and comes back with a then new or newer H2 eight weight. And I was just like, I'm, I, I was blown away. You know, I'm like, these guys are gonna get my business forever. Whether I'm not, whether I'm buying a rod or just lining something up, you know, even if I'm just throwing my mostly, you know, weird glass now, like I'm still going to the store. So. Sorry to go off on the tangent, but no, going, still, going back no. to our yeah. roots of how we met, I still yeah. I still go in there. It's it's a different crew, but they're all good people, you yeah. know, like knowledgeable and you know, Fowler worked there for a little bit. Yep. And, 
you know, always used to like talking shop with Jeff in there too. And, um, it's just, it's, it's good to, good to have one close to the house. So, uh, I remember you'd come in and just buy like stacks of deer hair. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, y'all's, the dye job you have on your olive is different than most of the stuff I've ever gotten from hairline or, or resold from, from hairline. And so, you know, I'd, I'd go in there. I wouldn't get all my colors, but I know that like that olive, when I'd see it, I'd get like three or four patches of it just because it had that perfect dye that I just, most of the olives I'd seen when I first started tying seemed like they were like a mix of yellow and gray or something. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a true olive drab, olive color. And so, um, that's one thing I, I know about that Orvis hair is, the patches aren't as big as what I used to get from from Pat, but like that 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 the dye was just incredible. Yeah. So, no, it's amazing to, to hear that too because you know we I'd see stuff on the wall. I'm like, okay, that's a cool color, and I would use that. And then like a month later, they'd get it from a new vendor. You still have the the Bass Pro you know sticker on there, completely, or even even on the same wall. We'd you'd, you'd be all olive, and you have three different tints. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. It's like, oh, it's, it's not the right. Not the right tin I yeah. want. One bag has a patch half the size of your hand. Mm-hmm. The other bag has, you know, two big patches, and it's just it's kind of a kind of a crapshoot. So. Yeah. Well, <laughs> ordering deer hair online for what you're doing, I imagine is just you send them notes and be like, do you when you order online, do you send notes and like, hey, can you get me? I just get the color and the quantity. You know, yeah. it's it's it was it was ordering through Pat for a while, and then it's it's now going through a gentleman named Derek Darst. Uh, he runs a, a company called Saint. Mary's flies. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Okay. But he's up in Idaho. Um, he's a he's a phenomenal tire from what I can tell. He does a lot of deer hair work himself. And then he, he also has a business where he's selling the deer hair. And once I realized Pat was was, was kind of out of that out of that realm, um, you know, I I know other tires local that have, have worked with Derek and I reached out to him and, and uh yeah, the, f- the first the first big order got lost in the post office. And so, you know, I, I tried being cool. I wasn't, like, trying to go off on it, but I was asking him, like, what should I do? You know, like, I, I've got this box of deer hair sitting out there. They're showing it delivered. It's not here, you know. And uh, I went to the post office, and he's like, you know, if they don't find it, just let me know, and I'll, I'll get you the same exact order shipped out, you know, the next day. And so um, the post office eventually found out where it was. They went and got it, brought it to the house. And you know, I, I got the original package, but just his, his initial reaction told me like, this is a guy I can, I can work. Yeah. With, yeah. Know? Um, and of course the quality of the materials was incredible. He's, he's got, you know, very, very good deer hair too. So. Nice. So Gabe, let's, uh, Oh, let's cover your fishing trip. Cause you went with Andrew. Yeah. I went with Andrew. Um, you know, mainly the, it uh, was our, uh, backyard barbecue episode, which we'll get into a little bit with Ryan. And he's, <laughs> and he's, <laughs> <laughs> he's getting into fly fishing. And so, um, you know, we, we went, uh, you know, all my, my spots are pretty much all dried up and terrible at the moment. So, uh, gave a, a quick text message to, um, to Grant, uh, from Hill Country Flyworks, we had on yep. a couple of weeks ago, and he was awesome enough to to take us to uh, to a couple of his spots and you know um, help help Andrew out uh, and Andrew's son uh, out as well uh, to you know get on some fish, especially Andrew's son. He had never he's he's fished only once or maybe twice, and where someone downstream or someone next to him caught a fish, he had yet to catch one. 
So that was the that was that was the the goal for the day, and um, and then Andrew, of course, you know, he he kind of went down and and was casting, and he he's really he got a couple of big casts out there that he's like, oh, I, like it, it, where he hooks you, you know, you get yeah. you get a couple of crappy casts, and you get that 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 next one that just rolls out a mile. And you could just see him wanting to do the same thing. And I told him, "Hey, look, you, you know, we, you can't catch fish with the fl- with the fly line out of the water. <laughs> we gotta stay it in there." He had one big fish on on that uh, that little frog mini popper I had tied. He had one big fish on, and as he was reeling, uh, he got some hydrilla stuck on the line and some other grass stuck on the line as he reeled up, and it got caught in the thing. So. As much as we were talking about fly casting, I didn't have the time to say, okay, this is what happens when you get a fish on. So it went from like zero to 60 and then everything happening. You know, I think we've all been there as, you know, in our fly fishing, you know, life where we got this awesome fish on. We know it's big. It's it's rolling. And then all this line management stuff gets Murphy's, in the way. Murphy's Law, right, yeah. the big yeah. fish. Yeah, yeah, Murphy's Law. So... Uh, he, he released a little bit too much tension, got off, but again, I think you, you could tell he was excited about it, and and uh, we moved to another spot. He got into some stuff. His son got into some stuff. How old's his son? Oh, I want to say t- 11. Okay, cool. Maybe. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, so he was, and he was having fun too because the water was nice, the weather was nice, that spot, you know, there's a little bit of current, the water was nice color. Um, so yeah, we, we did well. We got into some fish. Everyone had fun. Uh, and then afterward he, they hadn't, he hadn't been to, to Bucky's yet. Andrew had been to Bucky's, but his son had. And so of course we spent an hour over there, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, to walk around and get uh, beef jerky and beaver nuggets and all that yeah. fun stuff. Uh, but it was, it was a really good, it was a really good, uh, morning. We got did he get there. his rod back? Not yet. No, no. I brought, I brought some stuff and, um, and he fished with that. And I told him as long as his wife wasn't around with vacuum cleaner, he can borrow any of my stuff. It should be fine. So, uh, but no, it was a, it was a good. It was a really good morning. I was just happy to find moving water, and then with it not being a super hot day, it was it was a good morning. It was nice. a really good morning. So yeah, it was good. Show, showing a kid some good water is a yeah yeah. Know, and he, I mean, he could see mission accomplished, he gentlemen. Could see <laughs> the fish coming in, and, and you know, and, and looking at him, small little bass, and and some bluegill stuff. Just it was clear water. He could see it. So of course he was excited, you know, to see that and then land them. And there was a couple of times where you know I grabbed one and I threw the rod to him to, you know, bring in the the fish from from a long way. So it was a good, it was a really, really, really good day. Nice. Did you tell him how much it was going to cost him down the road if he got into this hobby? <laughs> I, t- I told him the first hits on me, and then we'll go from there. I think uh, I might need some some briskets down the line. Yeah. Uh, it was like the Godfather's, like uh, I might have a. I'm a favorite. I'll call in down the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, but it was it was a really good day, and and uh, excited to do that. Excited to get out too on on a day like that. Nice. Uh, my weekend was pretty much Orvis, and uh, yeah, Sunday did some YouTube stuff. He worked Saturday. Yeah. 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 It was good. It was fun. Show weekend. So let's uh, crank out some articles real quick, Gabe. All right. What do you got first? So Florida man first. <laughs> Florida man, no fooling. All right. It's kind of like hold my beer. All right. You know what I'm saying? It's just Florida, man. That's all it is. So, uh, 70, 71-year-old Florida man dies from flesh-eating bacteria after eating raw oyster at a restaurant. So, basically, I didn't know this was a thing that uh, 
you can get flesh-eating bacteria from eating raw oysters. What? Isn't there like a wives' tale or something where you can't eat oysters? You shouldn't eat oysters in certain months. I, th- I think anything from the ocean is, is, is you kind of just run shoot. that. You run that risk yeah. of like, hey, if it's if it's growing in some some stank water, you know, who knows? I feel <laughs> yeah. like most places they're just they're just they they keep the shells and they just throw the oyster from a from a jar and put it in there. And like here's here's what we well, got. Every other summer, you hear about a, a person wading. Down in uh, yeah. at our coast and yeah. some still water, and they get what is it, Vibrio? Is that what they yeah, call it? Vibrio. They've got an open yeah. cut, and they get something in there that just yeah. starts wreaking havoc on them. So most Vibrio infections from oysters result in diarrhea and vomiting, but some, uh, including Vibrio vulnificus, yeah, I'm out. I'm never eating oysters again after uh, hearing this story. Can cause <laughs> severe illness, including blood infections and blistering skin, according to the CDC. Some. Vibrio infections can require limb amputations or lead to death. Now, is it if it's fried, is it okay? Uh, it's a, I, Oys- I, like I, oysters Rockefeller? I would, I, mean, I would say cooking anything is better than eating it raw. I, I feel, okay, so Rockefeller is what, with the cheese and broiled? I th- I th- it's like over a grill. It's oh, like yeah, over it's grilled. Okay. I think yeah. it's grilled. Y'all ever been out to a place, y'all ever go to New Orleans and eat, eat oysters or any kind of that, that seafood with the Cajun style out there? Uh, I've heard of a place I, called I have, I have, but I haven't. But I think I know what you're talking about. So I'm I'm not the foremost expert on oysters or seafood, but uh, when I when I first moved back down to Texas a while ago, I was working with a bunch of uh, Cajun refugees, right, and from the from the hurricane, and uh, they they told me about this place just called Dragos over and over. They used to talk about it back home, Dragos, 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 and so. Um, some some years later, my wife and I are taking a road trip down to the Keys, and we're driving through New Orleans. And I remember being like, "We're gonna stop and we're gonna eat this place," you know. And um, and that was a that, that we got their oysters, their oyster plate. They were grilled, you know. They came with a a little bit of you know Tabasco, and I forgot what else. And I'm a I'm a pretty finicky individual eating. And yeah. I, I the first oyster I had, I was just like, you know what, those those Cajuns knew what they were talking about. That that stuff was good, mm. and and so. Again, that was then. This is now. I'm hearing about different, you know, Florida man <laughs> stories, and I don't want to be Texas man with the oysters. So, that's <laughs> yeah, and I don't like raw oysters personally, but I do like oysters Rockefeller. I do, I do like raw oysters, but again, I, I am very selective on where I'm going to have it. So, so I, I mean, but to your point, it's a, it is a crapshoot. I yeah. mean, it could be, it can be anything. You can have bad pork. Exactly. So you uh, know what? Just don't eat. Just drink Jack Daniels Tennessee honey, <laughs> and you'll be fine. Jeanette LeBlanc of Quinlan, Texas, contracted Vibrio after eating several raw oysters during a crabbing trip to Louisiana with friends. She remained in the hospital for 21 days, where she underwent several surgeries as doctors fought to save her life. Um, and it goes into more stories of people uh, contracting Vibrio from eating raw oysters. Uh, Vibrio infections kill 100 people in the United States each year, the CDC reports. The bacteria finds its way into oysters through coastal waters where oysters live and feed. And most people contract the bacteria between May and October when temperatures are warm. Although anyone can contract the infection, people with certain medical conditions or compromised immune systems are at greater risk. Yeah, so it's like anything, you know. If you're you're in trouble and you eat something bad, then you're you're gonna be you know yeah. in some in some more trouble. That's just so. anything like the flu. You get the flu and you have some pre-existing yes. conditions. Or oyster trip, like that's right. I, I hate articles like this because like I kind of want more details. Like they just like they just went by themselves and just grabbed some stuff, or they went on a boat and did some stuff. 
because it sounds it like doesn't go into she actually probably, probably a delay from the time they were pulled out of the water yeah. to the time they got to the restaurant. You know, and then she it said she went on a on a oh, trip. Yeah, yeah, you're right. So she's getting them fresh. Yeah, it doesn't go into more details than what I. Uh, it doesn't say if she got them from a restaurant or if she mm. them herself. She was on a crabbing trip, so I would probably assume that she went to a restaurant if she was crabbing. Maybe she pulled out oysters. I don't know. Let's track her down. Let's look her up on Facebook. But, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I didn't know that was a thing. I knew, like, Vibrio was a thing. Like, don't wade with open cuts. Yeah, stagnant, stagnant water. water. We say yeah. you're not going to eat oysters, but, you know, I I still go back to Taco Bell, and I've had bad <laughs> I've, had, I've had bad times with that. Oh man! So I got a conservation corner. Was that C four? Uh, C four. Yeah. So I framed animals before. I framed a raccoon for opening a Christmas present, and I framed a bear for eating out of the garbage. So twenty-one thousand fish die in catastrophic failure at California Research Center. Um, basically, what happens? Is, what happened is at the University of California. Um, there was a catastrophic failure that killed all of the fish in their center. And what happened was uh, something happened where chlorine was released into the water, and it basically killed all the fish. Oh, gosh. Um, the fish were found dead on Tuesday in several tanks at the Center for Aquatic Biology and Aquaculture. Um, officials believe that the source of the chlorine was chlorination system used to decant decontaminate water with fish pathogens. I don't know exactly what that means, um, but they're pretty sure that's what caused the fish kill. Um, It said, um, obviously they're committed to understanding what happened and making changes to the facility, that they're going to continue to evaluate the risk. There was somewhere in here that said they had all kinds of cool fish there that they were researching. Yes, some of the researchers and graduate students had been using the fish to study the effects of disease environmental changes on certain species. Uh, this article, this one doesn't say what fish species were, but there were uh, different types of salmon, uh, sturgeon. Oh, wow. Yeah, so like some pretty major research on fish that are, I mean, that's a major loss no matter what. I mean, how do you even have it set up so that chlorine can get in that water? Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. I mean, that's, that's how, where's that point of failure at? You know, <laughs> remove it. <laughs> There, uh, oh, so they don't know the exact cause, but one possible explanation would be that there was a backup in the water line system that caused the chlorine to move in the wrong direction. <laughs> Which it sounds like that's what they're saying on Brushy Creek. You might know more about the Brushy Creek situation. To be honest with it's you, it's like a wastewater backup or it, something it, like that. I, I don't, I don't know the details of it. I, for a person that lives in North Austin, I haven't fished Brushy that much, and the, uh. Ironically or oddly enough, the reason is the last time I was there, I saw stuff coming out of a pipe near or connected to a golf course yeah, really, that you know. it literally looked like, you know, human feces coming out of a pipe yeah. directly in the water. And so, um, yeah, I just, I fish, I fish the San Gabriel and Lano and stuff like that. Yeah. Just, I, I have, I'm familiar with what's going on. It's basically a, a wastewater treatment facility that's, that's dumping, um, what looked like or what I heard was untreated untreated wastewater in there and you know the same problem happened with the san gabriel unfortunately um you know where it it it, uh 
there's a there's a new facility put in place. There's rules with the municipality and the state and state agencies where they only have to report, you know, s- stuff over a certain threshold. And um, there's a lot of things that can happen. I think under that threshold that negatively impact the water. You know, what used to be uh, crystal clear, clean water now has these big giant grass mats with strands of grass that look like, you know, long hair. You know. Um, and it's just that's not. I don't want to go wading in that anymore. Yeah. You know, and that's what I'm describing is is where my son caught his first Guadalupe bass. You know, yeah. so these are these are places with the, you know, between the brushy and the and the and, the, and San Gabriel. You know, and other other places. It's, you know, uh, the flip side of development and growth, right? So uh, unfortunate, but. Gabe, what do you got for us today? On patrol. <laughs> That was a little loud. (laughs) Hey, Roswell man was arrested Sunday after he told his sheriff's deputy he was hunting doves but did not have a valid hunting license. Uh, According to a criminal complaint filed Monday in Chavis County Magistrate Court, Thomas Vick, 41, was charged with negligent use of a deadly weapon and hunting small game without a license. He was arraigned Monday and released on his own reconnaissance. Wasn't he in a residential area, though? Yeah, so according to the complaint, he was... Shooting doves in a residential neighborhood. Uh, Can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> kind of frowned upon yeah. with that, a shotgun. That'd be nice because if you guys saw how many doves we get in our backyard, they're like fat. Yeah. And, right. You get yeah. season right here. You yeah. Know? I mean, he was up there at the right time. It was like 5 30 p.m. on Sunday. Um, you know, and multiple Hunting calls. Off bird feeders. Yeah. <laughs> off bird, yeah. Yeah. Uh, multiple calls of a person shooting a firearm in the in in the area. So I, I mean, again, he he told deputies he was hunting Eurasian doves, and that uh, he had fired his gun within a hundred feet of uh, the the residences. And uh, yeah, definitely can't do that. Yes, they can't. Witnesses told deputy that he had seen Vic fire two shots in the air in the 300 block of Ryan Street and two shots in the area of South Leah Avenue. Would you just watch walk in the sidewalks and just see a dove and blast? Deputy (laughs) found a wad of uh, a wad from a shotgun shell and a spent shotgun shell uh, in those locations. Uh, Yeah, Uh, yeah. I mean. Use a Some BB people, gun. <laughs> Some <laughs> people, I don't. To, to you, you asked for that trouble. That's I don't feel I bad don't for get, the guy. That's. Uh, I, I think it would have been better if he had like you know three Eurasians already tied to him. You know, and he's yeah, he's got his little gunny sack with his birds and in a cam in full camo. I think would have been hilarious too. Uh, Walk in a residential neighborhood, full camo. Yeah, yeah. ghillie suit with dogs. I wonder, I dogs wonder. retrieving <laughs> with, do- with do- retrieving dogs and those mojo. <laughs> but if one lands on a roof, like if it falls on a roof and jeez, I'm just getting my bird. Don't mind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Knock on their door. I'm sorry. I, one of the birds flew in your backyard. Can I go and retrieve it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. unbelievable. But hey, it happened. Not a Florida man story, but you say that crazy. was in New, New Mexico, man? New Mexico, Roswell, New Mexico. A little disappointing. Just assumed, you know, Texas or Florida by the by the sounds of that, but yeah, New Mexico's. And he had his he had clothes on. You know? Mexico checking in. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got? All right, we're gonna do our questions. We got a bunch of them. Good. So let's just uh, nip this in the butt right at the beginning. All right. Um, howler butts. Not me. Okay, I knew. I know it's not. Not me. That's but that's. There That's have a, been, uh, I've seen accusations. People accused of you of being Drama Lupe as well. If 
But y'all know for a fact. Now that's not me. So we do know for a fact. Well, I don't. I don't we know can't know. tell you who it do is. We? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I know who it is. Someone yeah. showed up. <laughs> I, I can give you a name right now, but I won't. No, I'll, I'll be no, cool. No. I'll be cool. But I, I know who Drama Lupe is. I've I've heard from a reliable source, and um, you know, it is what it is. So it's uh, I I I I I listened to the podcast, and I was. You know, I was waiting for him to say, oh, I came up with it, you know, and, and he said, he's like, I don't, I don't know how, it, you know, how the term came up. And I was like, all right, that's honesty from a burner account. You like that, you know, <laughs> that's, uh, that gives him some, a little bit of credibility, I guess. So, so, yeah. so after that podcast, you went on Facebook, had this really nice, well-written post where, uh, <laughs> You know, Drama Lupe had basically said he didn't know where dra- the Drama Lupe came from, yeah. and then you listened to that episode and then took credit. I did for coming up with Drama Lupe. The, so. fra- the phrase, the term, the the kind of joke, but not the burner account. Okay. Not not the burner account. So I, I always I always kind of laugh or, or joke about how I I I'd like to, I'm comfortable trolling in my own skin. I don't need to hide behind a burner account. And, <laughs> um, no, the thing is, is just I you know. I, I I had seen a trend. My buddies had seen a trend, you know, some years back where it was just like there's all sorts of just crazy stuff going on seemingly around this one little fishery, right? We've got – there's dozens of other rivers and streams in the hill country. We've got 800 square miles of water on the coast that averages a foot, foot and a half deep. There's so much fishing around here that it just it, – it struck us as odd as all – it's just – well, it's it's, it's because – you know, folks want to catch trout in Texas, right? Folks just want to catch trout. And so, you know, I started seeing in, in some of the local groups, like just, you know, a kid or, or a parent of a kid posts a picture. His kid's holding the trout. And he's not holding the trout like you or I would hold a endangered cutthroat, right? He's he's a kid holding a fish, you know. And, and it had been like several posts in a short time span where just the the, you know, the, the folks show up with the pitchforks and the, you know, they're ready to, ready to, you know, take this poor kid to the woodshed. And it's just like, man, it's, it's a stalker trout. And it's in, and, and above that, it's a kid fishing, you know, like, and so we just started seeing that. It's like, you know, I, I had fished down there with a buddy that was in town a while ago. And even, even back then it was like, in my mind, it's a, it's a developed river. There's a lot of houses there. There were a lot of folks there fishing. We caught a bunch of trout. You know, and 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 that was that was that was cool, but it's like there's so much good fishing around here that I, I you know I feel like it just it, it it kind of is unfair to the other species and the other other waters to just have all this focus, all these resources, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, focusing on 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 one one fishery. So we'd kind of been joking about it just amongst ourselves, and I went into a fly shop and. I heard the owner talking to uh, another gentleman that appeared to be with with the Trout Unlimited the local Trout Unlimited chapter, and it was a it was a heated discussion it had to do with stocking stocking schedules all that other stuff and and I just I mean the, they seemed they weren't arguing or yelling at each other but it was just there was a lot of just angst there right and I I leave the fly shop and I text one of my buddies and I said I'm never calling at the Guadalupe again this place is the Drama Lupe because it's just everywhere I turn there's people posting videos of guides screaming at folks. There's guides screaming at themselves, at their own clients. There's, uh, you know, people going crazy about the stocking schedules, the lease program. It's like, dude, that's not, not to sound purist, but that's not fly fishing to me. Not 
stock trout is not fly fishing, but just that much, you know, crazy energy on one body of water. I just, you know, I mean, I just don't think it's, it's, it's fun. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to go uh, sit in front of five houses so I can catch a couple trout. Like, it's just not something that I feel like is relaxing to me. Yeah. Not, you know, yeah. so. Well, and one thing, I actually saw a video today. You bringing up the uh, kids holding a fish thing. Um, catch their first fish. Andrew's son goes out, maybe catches his first fish. Just They're just pumped to be there, and they're excited about it. Yeah. I watched a video of a guy. Same thing in hunting. Kid posted his first deer. It was like a fork, like a two-by-two, two, small buck. Kid was pumped out of his mind. Then you go to the comment section, and dude's like, oh, I would have waited three or four years before I shot that deer, and this, that, and the other, and like putting the kid down when all he just had pumped about is like I shot my first deer I went hunting for a week and right. waited and did all this and you know I cleaned it and like he's pumped about it and then people like putting the kid down and now you got every expert in the in, who's not hunting that day who's you know wants to give the kid 10 cents you know of their advice and it's yeah. just you know that's the that's the thing you know if there's if there's a way to to hold a fish properly then there's a way to instruct somebody how to hold a fish properly yeah. where it's not it's not 20 people saying the same thing over and over it's like come on you know, like the the message isn't getting through. Like y'all just sound like bullies, and it just you know again, you see it in other groups. You see it with with other bodies of water, other species. You know, people will go off the rails when they don't see see what they think of as like the perfect handling of the fish. And you know, to that to that, I just say, well, don't fish. Yeah. You know, I mean, most of what we're doing is playing these things to exhaustion, right? Playing them against a drag, and so it's like if you're gonna micromanage that, just don't fish. You know, and so I. Not to sound abrasive. I mean, I've gotten on folks about, um, you know, they, they catch a big bass and they're sitting there ripping the jaw open as much as possible. I've left a comment or two and just been like, there's a better way to do it. And I was wrong for that, right? Because it's just like, send a message, you know. Um, do something where it's not like embarrassing in public and yeah. they'll learn a lesson. Because people just it. get defensive. Right, yeah. yeah. Exactly. They don't take the, well, it's hard for people to admit when they're wrong anyway well, there's we're lot, all guilty of that but there's a lot of people especially with with social media they're so excited to put this up as soon as possible and they don't think they're not really thinking about the repercussions of what that picture looks like i mean even squeezing a little bit on the trout's belly and there's going to be you know a handful of comments you're holding it too you know squeeze it to death and it's just like dude it's a it's a kid or it's a young adult with his first fish or her first fish like yeah. i get know, that with the kids for sure right, the, you know? the, the, the 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 older crowd feel like it should be known better. Well, there are people that should know better. Should, right, should. But every day, there's gonna, tomorrow there's going to yeah. be another picture of some guy, you know, I think a, one I saw recently was a, a, a tarpon being hung up dead so that this guy could win $500 for a third-place reward. Louisiana. Yeah. So <laughs> so uh, that was from Fowler, in case you were wondering, that, okay. that question. Excellent. So if you want to hold some personal grudges, <laughs> I'll let I, you know who said these. I already do hold a lot of grudges with him, so that's – so, uh, Chris and us, uh, how sick is the Cabela's Prime? How sick is the Cabela's Prime? It's it's I've 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 got a kind of a, a a one piece fly rod fetish right now. Or is that their glass rod? Yes, sir. Yeah. It's, okay. And it's it's I don't believe they make it anymore. Okay. I could be mistaken like about the, that. The precursor to the the C C G R. Yeah, C G R. No, it's it kind of went alongside it as a as a one piece full. They might they might have made it. You know, I don't know, but like that, I've got a couple CGRs. I got a couple of primes, and the you know, one piece rods are just right now for for what I like to do. They're just a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, they're a lot of fun. Um, 
We uh, I've casted a one piece rod before, and it was like oh, I need one of these. But then it's like it's a one piece rod. It's like makes things more difficult. Oh yeah, logistics behind yeah, it. Yeah, logistics behind it. Amazing. I mean, and it, I've even know. heard like shipping. They can't make them nine feet because like the shipping. They can't be. You have to ship them like shipping's over a hundred dollars. So they have to make them like eight foot ten inches, so that way they can ship them. And like weird things about one piece rods. Yeah, I, uh, I, you know, I, I had tried that prime. Um, I fell in love with it immediately, and then, and then Cabela's was doing something weird. They'd, they'd have them on their site, then they just disappear, right? And a month later, they'd be back on the site for like for really cheap, yeah. you know. Um, and then they'd announce it in a couple of the groups, and everyone would go there and clean them out, and so. I started keeping an eye out for them, and I, I I bought like I think I've got three or four of the eight weights and a couple of the five weights, and they're one pieces. Yes, sir, one piece, and they're they're I mean a seventy or eighty dollar fly rod, right? But if 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 we're out there and you're throwing it right now, it can handle you know a smaller fly, it can handle a big giant hair bug, everything in between, and just it's just fun. I mean, I'm a I'm a glass fanatic at this point, so I'm gonna you know if if you're used to fishing fast graphite fast recovering graphite then you're gonna throw one piece rod and maybe not like it you know or or maybe just take well, a minute to get used to but and like, one piece for glass makes even more sense because you're cutting out the what people don't like about like an eight weight exactly. is the weight yes so if you can cut down significantly on the weight by making it one piece no that ferals. makes a lot of sense no ferals and so it's you know we we so i fished primes for a while and then i fished a lot of other glass it was just regular two older two piece or more modern three or four piece. And then recently uh, a buddy of mine that I redfish with, uh, he had, he'd start, he found some older rods that were one piece graphite. And so he started getting a one piece fetish. And then he, I don't know how he, he heard this, but he emailed the folks at CTS. So, so New Zealand, mm-hmm. they used to make the blanks for Epic glass. Yeah. I, I think they, they split ways. I don't know for sure the, the whole relationship there, but they're, they're a glass manufacturer and my buddy convinced them to, to ship two one piece, seven weights for us it's without cutting them down or anything, just make one piece. And, and so they ship two one piece, seven weights from New Zealand to uh, a builder in New Mexico. And that gentleman out in New Mexico built up, you know, the rods for me and my buddy. And then he shipped them both to me. And then my buddy came over and picked them up. And um, I went out with a, with a bass bug that, that, the day or, or two days after that rod showed up and and I, I texted the builder, you know, from the middle of the stream. And I'm like, this is the best rod I've thrown in 20 plus years. I'm like, I'm not the foremost expert. I don't know what the best blanks are, or what the best uh, gear for every situation is, but I, this is the best rod I've thrown in 20 years. It's that one piece, seven weight. Um, I had it down in some pretty high winds down at the coast the other weekend and it performed flawlessly. You know, a lot of the the glass naysayers will tell you that, you know, you can't handle wind with it. You can't do distance with it. To that, I say tight loops scare fish on flats and open loops catch fish. You know, the whole tight loops thing is, is uh, it's, it's good when you're blind casting, I guess. But when you're sight fishing, I feel like a tight loop is uh, works like works, works against you in certain situations. Well, a tight loop is faster line speed. Faster line speed hits the water harder. Yeah. So, yeah, and there's something there. It, it it's I mean, a it's a micro analyzing or I'm over analyzing. You know something. That, oh, but that's that what I've, we do in fly fishing. Exactly. We point. have a podcast. All we do is like <laughs> over analyze shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 You know exactly. what I mean? Like Good that's point. all we do. Yeah. So, 
Um, so Odom sent in two questions. Uh, tell us about the Zen weight measuring method. I don't know what he's I'm talking not, about. I'm not even going to get into that. I'm, no, no. I'm now the, I want to hear about I'm the a hole. So I, you know, I, I like to have fun online. I like to to troll my buddies. I like to troll certain movements, certain things I see, and then anybody who identifies as a guide and and they're relatively new to fishing, new to the area and stuff. It's just. I, I don't like, you know, put them in my gun sights and target them and, and, and just want to make their lives miserable. But when they start posting certain stuff, it's just like you're not helping yourself out, right? And yeah. it, there's, it's, been, it's been a pattern. Are you saying like oversizing fish? Is that what you're talking yes, about? Yes, sir. Like yeah. dramatically oversizing fish. Like this and is a 10-pound trout. Yeah, on it's, it's not the end of the world. Thing. I don't want to, you know, everybody, everybody who posts a weight or a measurement without showing it, somebody's going to be out there and ridicule it. And I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to be that guy that jumps off on every post, but I'll tell you what, a lot of different buddies of mine who aren't connected with one another, all love to send around screenshots <laughs> of just person after person after person doing this. And so like, I, you know, I made a, I made a, a kind of a troll post the other day where you know, I said like the, the, it's a, it's, it's three different times in just a couple months where folks are posting a 15, a 20-pound fish, a big fish, a, a great fish, a, a heavy fighting fish, and they're calling it 40 pounds. I don't know what, what the what the deal is with the 40-pound mark, but people are just coming up with this. And I, the, the couple of them, I just, you know, I don't want to be an a-hole, but I just ask, hey, did you submit that to TPWD? Because, you know, that smashes the state record <laughs> by like five or six pounds for fly, you know? like And, and it's always the same response. Yeah, I, I, I started talking with this dude last night who, who – Knew right away from my joke posts, like that I was I was talking about him. And he messaged me through faith, through Instagram. We're talking about it, and we're you know, ten minutes later, we're talking about you know, we're gonna go fishing. You know, like yeah. So it's it's yeah, it's if you, if you not can, if you can handle it, and you know you did wrong, then you shouldn't be upset about it. Yeah. yeah. But then it happened. It happened a while ago with a different person, yeah. and as soon as I dropped the the question on on her post, like I just became like the big bad guy, and, and it was just like, all right, you know what I. I you, you do you. Good luck promoting your guide service. And it's just, it's in line with the, you know, I think we could find this in any adult hobby. It's not endemic or, or specific to fly fishing, but, um, you know, you get people that are, that enjoy it. You get people that, that, uh, you know, uh, are, are new and, 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 and still enjoy it, but they're, they're open to learning. And then you get folks that are new and just looking to like quick, quick, make a name, make a buck, you know, that, that, monetizing of, of fishing can make make folks you know change the hobby into awkward kind of work right and there's there's a lot of folks around us who are responsible stewards good people they're not bsing all over the place and um you know they're they're good guides they're good they're they're knowledgeable in shops you know they're 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 not looking to just turn a quick buck and and, and stuff and so um yeah i have fun with it i i uh i owed him um, you know, had, had, had is one to, you know, message me some of these screenshots from time <laughs> to time of, of folks and their, and their catches that are, you know, 15, 20 pounds off. And it, again, it's not the end of the world. I'm not getting, there's nothing being taken away from me. I'm just having fun with it. And, you know, I, I was honest with the, my, my little, uh, troll post the other day, like you're hurting your business. You know, it's no skin off my back. I'm not trying to be a guide around here, but if y'all have guide listed in your, in your descriptions and stuff. And if you claim to be a guide, don't post a 15, 20 pound fish and call it 40. People are going to think, you know, you're, you're a clown for all, all intents and purposes. Yeah. 
And of course, these people aren't clowns. I'm the I'm the clown, but um, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of those things. You know, just just people are people. So, so Odom follows that up with, "How do you obtain a river body record in Texas Hill Country?" He says, "Asking for a friend." <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I just answered that, Odom, but in a different, <laughs> using different words. So, <laughs> besides, I, I catch half ounce fish on the rivers, so I'm not half pound fish on the rivers. I'm not catching. I'm not catching records. So, he's the one that he's. I should be asking him those questions. That dude catches a lot of big fish. Yeah. So uh, this is a two parter. Um, oh goodness. I'm going to start with the. Uh, <clears throat> I'm asking the first part because he says, "Does Elk Lord." And I've been seeing this thing roll around Facebook of Elk Lord being referred to you. Your picture photoshopped on Elk, and I just want to know the backstory behind that. And maybe some dubbing got mailed to you that was like custom. This is yeah, this is all true. Okay. Um, so, it's, <laughs> so I I went and bought deodorant. You see, that's how it all started. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this and, is going to be a great uh, story. It starts like all great <laughs> stories. Wind bought like deodorant. Yeah. And I, I'm in my bathroom at the house, and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just, uh, I'm about to put on my deodorant, right? And I, I, I undo it, and I'm, I'm, I look at the thing in my hand, and there's just this kind of a cartoonish drawing of a really funny looking elk, and that the deodorant has elk lord written on it, and so I'm like, what is this? And I took a picture and sent it to a couple buddies, and and one of my buddies, you know messaged me back and he's like you need an origin story now elk lord or something to that effect it just it it kind of stuck it just kind of stuck from there and then and then that same that same dude he does he does makes dubbing american tide flies aaron letera he makes some incredible dubbing sorry i'm not don't mean to 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 pump product on y'all's show no no dude do it absolutely it's his his stuff for for what we do down here uh mullet patterns bait fish patterns shiner patterns like his stuff is good so anyways he was working with Matt Bennett kind of behind the scenes and you know they Matt messaged me he's like you got a surprise coming and you know Aaron messaged me he's like there's there's something in the works and <laughs> and they they did their little announcement he shipped a bunch to Matt and then Matt shipped some to me and I got it and I'm like all joking aside I mean I'm starting to spin up some some bait fish with this stuff and it's it's good dubbing so <laughs> I've got it's one. called Elk Lord Yes, yeah. sir. It's called Elk Lord. Yeah. It's an it's an olive kind of drab, you know, with a little bit of little bit of flash in there. And I mean, depending on who you talk to, I've I've got a lot of just bad nicknames. So I mean, it's you know. <laughs> so uh, so this question was: uh, Does Elk Lord use a pellet grill, or does he use pure rage to cook his food? <laughs> okay, so this is this is just this, this again. I mean, these these are. You know, scoundrels and jackals that I'm associated with out there in the world. That are, it's still, it's a just solid, that's a great, that's probably the top 10 question I've ever heard. Throwing here. softballs at y'all right now. Oh, so, pure rage. So I, I one of the things I, I just publicly have fun with in fishing groups and outside of fishing groups, right, is just the whole the whole pellet grill thing, you know. And, and it's, um, I just, I've, I've, I've had meat off a pellet grill a, a while ago. I, I cook off a offset wood smoker and so you know it's like uh, uh you know kayak and canoe guy you know right there's two different camps on everything and it's just it's one of those things where we just a lot you know started making fun of pellet grills and and just that whole thing um and but I, but again it when when i'm not making fun of pellet grills online i'm, I'm messaging <laughs> my buddies saying you know i i sure would 
sure would be cool to, you know, set a brisket down and be able to go do something for 16 hours, <laughs> you know, and not sit here and babysit it. So it's, I, I definitely see the, the appeal to it, but it's also like, I don't know. I, there, there's just something about you get that post oak and that, that, that apple and or cherry rolling and let that thing get that good wood smoke and making myself hungry now. So, but yeah, that, that's the, the pellet grill thing. And I've, I've, I've periodically, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll drop a, a silly post and I'll say, you know, uh, nymphers and, and pellet grill folks don't be offended, but you know, and I just, you know, try and try and broadly troll as many different people as I can in yeah. one, one kind of <laughs> go, you know, so efficient trolling, uh, Sp- spread it evenly, yeah, spread yeah. it, spread it evenly. So Sabine Skiffs and in a question, Uh-oh. oh gosh, uh, okay. what type of hair product do you use on that superb red wig that you're sporting? Oh, goodness gracious. That's uh, Mr. Little, Mr. Brian yeah, I was Little. Say Brian Little, yeah. nice. That's, okay, uh, that's uh, yeah, little B Little. I, I don't, I don't know where he's going with that, but he's he's a good dude. He's he's uh, that that guy. He designed something. If he wasn't building boats, I I tell folks he'd be at NASA, because he uh, and again I'm 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 uh, you can you can I can get in trouble for promoting something. I do not have a Sabine skiff. Um, and so take this as unbiased advice if y'all are in the skiff market. But when he says that those things pull silently, they are dead silent. They are they do not make any noise. There is zero hole slap. They are easy to pull. They are beautiful skiffs. And uh he's he's a good dude. He I babysat one of his skiffs for him, you know, for, for a little bit. How do you get that kind of job? Babysitting just, a skiff? Well, he's been babysitting my sous V machine. <laughs> I need to private message him and say, dude, you, you've had it since the beginning of COVID, and you still have yet to use it. Little's got your suit. Yeah, he's machine. got my suit. He's, he he has never wanted to do it because because it's you know plastics and all that stuff. And and then finally one day on Facebook, he's like, okay, if anyone has one, I can borrow. And I'm like, dude, I've been trying to get you to 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 try this. I mailed it to him. And then I saw him at Trout Fest, and I'm like, dude, you still haven't used it. Like, what's up? What's up with this? So. Please. Well, you need to parlay that into a into a trip out into his home waters because that that the, his boats are fun and and that dude knows how to fish obviously and he's got some some cool stuff out there in his neck of the woods. So, yeah. So Brian, please <laughs> go ahead use that SUV, post it so I know, and then send it back. So, uh, old Nate sent in a question. Uh-oh. Uh oh. What is Team Sharpton? I think and, and Nate will have to keep me honest here. I think I think it goes back to so when I. When my hair grows out, it gets a little crazy, you know, and, and as I get up there in years, it doesn't really go up, you know, it just kind of goes out and goes back. And, and I think one morning somebody made a joke about just me having sharpened hair, right? Like when we we're, <laughs> we're about to go red fishing and as, as soon as it was like, the, you know, sharpened hair, we just became team sharpened. It was just kind of a joke, you know, and um, yeah, I, I think if it's the morning I'm thinking of, Nate help get a buddy of mine over the hump with with red fishing he'd been down there a couple times and just just had 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 tough luck we weren't seeing fish i think he might have been throwing it a few more mullet than redfish and uh nate got him down there and 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 got him over the hump that day that was a, that was a really really good day fishing <laughs> uh how many friends have you gotten shot on fishing trips that's from <laughs> that's from gabriel langley it is yeah so Gabe, Gabe is, uh, is, uh, you, you, people toss around the, the term influencer in, in a bad, 
connotation, I feel like, in, in fly fishing. But Gabe is a good influencer. Before I met Gabe, I was uh, fishing out of a canoe. I was throwing an eight-weight broomstick for Little Hill Country Bass. I was didn't know anything about, about this stuff, about tying hair bugs. And uh, we met up at the Lano, and he's telling me about all this good stuff. He's, he's let me try his glass rod. Um, he's telling me about this guy named Pat Cohen who can who can I can buy hair bugs from, right? Or I can learn to possibly tie him from, you know. And and uh, we showed up at the water. We met up that morning out out at the Lano. We didn't realize it was Dove opener. And so I get get out of the truck. He gets out of his vehicle, and we're sitting there. And there's just there dudes just killing birds everywhere, right? But we were still gonna go fishing. And back then that was before the big Lano flood. So there's all sorts of vegetation on the banks and lots of cover and so we just we go out to the middle of the river and start working our way up or, or down rather and uh sure enough we start getting dusted you know we start getting 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 hit by these guys and we just kept going and kept fishing and um you know it was it was such a such a great morning out there was no wind and um you know Gabe caught a gar we caught some bass and and it was just you know I was I was learning about all this new stuff right so it wasn't just the fishing it was like here I am fishing with a dude I met on the internet. You know, I hadn't done that a lot up to that point, right? And it was just, it was a weird thing for me. I didn't have many friends down here. And um, and after that trip, I started doing all this research and all this stuff. And, and I talk, talked to Pat Cohen and, and started buying glass rods. And I went and bought a Diablo. And it was all basically because of, because of Gabe Langley and then this other dude, Brandon Robinson, who runs a bass page. You know, like those guys were... Were, were influencers and and got me you know hooked up in all this cool stuff that that's awesome i wouldn't have done before and that same day i don't mean to keep rambling sorry but no, like, no, you're good that's why you're here that that same all this day, if you're not like rambling uh <laughs> so after we got after gabe we got shot you know we got we, we both got hit a couple times um I, i'd given him a dry bag at the beginning of the trip <laughs> he puts his iphone in there and and it's like we're on our way back towards the truck. It's in the afternoon. He pulls a dry bag out of his pocket. He's like, you know, this ain't a dry bag, homie. And I was just like, oh, my goodness, you got to be kidding me. And so he fried his phone, and then he took, like, a misstep and almost broke his leg. And it was like, man, that that's – and so it just became the inside joke. Like, let's go fishing. Let's just not get, get shot. I mean, I've been, I've been dusted red fishing before, too. But, like, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad or, or as close as it was that day on the – Lando. <laughs> have you ever fished with a murderer? Oh, get off. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, no, no, I haven't. Oh, we covered that in detail uh, on another episode, but Gabe worked with a guy at Bass Pro. Long story short, he murdered his girlfriend. Long story short, he's in prison right now yeah. for uh, wow. over 40 years. He murdered his girlfriend. Gabe went fishing with him. And then he was arrested and convicted. I mean, this was over the span of like a year, two years. Yeah, he didn't two get years. like arrested till like yeah. two years yeah, after. Yeah, but yeah. still, I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, but like Gabe went fishing yeah. with him in between yeah. the incident. Ooh, yeah. Man, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> Counting your lucky stars right there. Jeez Louise. Super nice guy, too. <laughs> Yeah, I take your word for it. So that. hey, but you're the one again that was meeting people on the internet too. It could have gone either way, just like our our oyster thing could have gone either way. I, I was fishing with another another guy who I, I met on the internet through the bass group, and 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 he's he's down here around the San Antonio area, and it get, it became a joke of ours, like hey, meeting strange men under the bridge at dark, right? you know, yeah. to go fishing, right? Yeah. And it, uh, <laughs> we were we were up on the on the Medina, I think while ago and i had wiped out right 
right as we were going back down towards our vehicles. I, I, it was a yard sale in the, in the river, and uh, I lost my wedding band. It was really, really bad. We, uh, we get to the takeout, and you're not allowed to park there, but we were both way too gassed to, to drag our, our boats up, so we both go back, get our cars, just bring them down there real quick, and we're loading up. Sheriff shows up out of nowhere, right, starts. And I, I had just wiped out. I'm still kind of, you know, just looking like a mess. We'd been floating, fishing all day, so we were kind of ragged. And Sheriff starts giving us a hard time, and, and uh, I'm like, man, I was just too, just too tired to haul it all the way up there. That's why I brought my car down. The sheriff looks at me. He's like, well, y'all just need to get in better shape. You know, he starts giving us a business. And so he, sheriff's like, y'all got IDs on you? And we're like, yes, sir. And, and uh, my buddy looks over me. He's like, you got any warrants? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, man. And I look at him like, you got any warrants? You know, because it's like you, you, you know, you think you know somebody. You fish with them a couple of times. Right. And then all of a sudden you're in a situation. It's like, well, who is this? Yeah. Who really is this guy? Yeah. And it came, you know, of course, it came back clean. Joe's a good dude. He's he's a really good dude. It was just it's been a joke since then. No, like, you're, you got you, any warrants? You're not the only one who's <laughs> met people online. A lot of a lot of my really close fishing buddies and and now you know, really good friends I've met on on you know fly fishing boards like the Drake or Fly Honky or any of those those guys. You know, and that's where I met Brian. And you just you run into those to those things, and whether it's it's trolling on people or whatever, you, you I wouldn't say you make a name for yourself, but People are like, I'll oh, do that's funny and you start talking with them and he, you know, goes down this rabbit hole of stuff. So yeah, the internet's fun. But well, yeah, it could go either way. The the, cool, the way I look at it is, you know, if, if somebody's been fishing twenty years or, or two months, I'm gonna learn something from them. You know? I'm gonna learn something I didn't think about before. I'm gonna see something, you know, and, and it's just it's a it, it's a kind of thing where it's like I don't I don't look at this as you can ever you can be a, a world class caster and you're still not an expert fly fisherman. You know, like I'm not saying I'm a world-class caster, but it, it's one of those things where it's like you really can learn something every time you go out, regardless of if you're with a 20-year guide or you're with somebody who's been fishing for a year. You know, like it's just – it's a neat opportunity. And that's, you know, the, what I realized through these – through meeting folks in these groups. I fished solo for years. I mean, forever. Um, I used to tell my wife I don't need new friends. That's why we don't need to go out and, you know, be social butterflies. I'm good with just being at the house and fishing and – doing the kid thing and, and just doing the family thing. And uh, I used to say that verbatim, I don't need new friends, you know. And then I realized there's other folks around here that actually fly fish for bass, you know. And it just was like a light bulb going on. I fished with, with Gabe Gabe Langley and Brandon Robinson and then, you know, Bill Neve and John Brandon and, Chris, you know, a bunch of Chris's, a bunch of Ben's. And, and, like, all these dudes are, like, good friends with me now, you know, yeah. good friends of mine. Like, and it's just – it's that common thread, you know. You, you – I wouldn't trust somebody to, you know, uh, make me a sandwich out in public without screwing it up. But if I see you throwing a fly rod, like I will, like, I'll let you watch our kids. You know, like, <laughs> oh, you're you're a fly fisherman. Yeah. You know, like, hey, all right. Yeah. Well, I thought the same, but that turns out that's not the case. <laughs> Lesson learned. <laughs> so, uh, some questions I can't ask. Let's see here. Yeah, sure some some people. Uh, yeah. So uh, another Fowler question: Where did you buy your hip waders from, and how? Do you get out of waist deep mud? Okay, I don't have hip waders anymore. I threw those away because they that was I was you know the troll becomes the trolled or something you know how <laughs> and so it's like the first time I busted those out like all all my buddies really had a heyday with that and um, yeah I went out and got hip waders for our son before one trip to the coast and so we had matching hip waders for a second. His mine are old; they got holes in them. They were 
you know, $30, $40 Academy specials probably 15 years ago. And it's, I got rid of them. And the, the mud thing that Fowler was talking about, I was, uh, I was down at one of my, one of our you know, kind of redfish haunts. And usually, uh, I'm in a, I'm in a kayak or a skiff there. I decided that I was just going to run out and hike around a little bit and see if I could catch one on foot. And, uh, there's this little tiny clear Creek, you know, between these grass islands. And I, I started walking across it and right in the middle of it, I went in, you know, between my, my belly button and my chest and it, in the blink of an eye got to be like a, a pretty, pretty hairy situation, you know? So I, oh, yeah. I just kind of threw water. What? Like probably yeah, up to here. Yeah. I'm looking at the bank now, like face level. Oh. Most of my body's in mud and I'm just like, like, it wasn't like that hairy, but I did have like that fleeting moment where it's like, is this how it's going to happen? You know, like, and I, <laughs> I, I just, I just threw my rod and, and my, my pack off my back and just threw it off me. And then I just started like bear crawling. I, I was clawing at the mud with my hands and just literally trying to like wiggle out. And I, I bear crawled to the bank and just, um, I went was to anybody the, with you? No, solo. And I, I went to the to the fly to the shop, the fly trap after that, and I walked in there and I was just like, I'm trying to tell these guys the story and you know, they're looking at me, I'm just I'm covered in mud. I'm I'm pretty visibly, you know, shaken up and uh it's just a weird example of how like, you know, when, when you're doing stuff out there, it, a little tiny clear creek that looks like it's six inches deep across, I mean it can you can hit that. I think some folks call it the blue jambalaya. You know that that salt mud kind of thing that yeah. you you sink like a rock. You know if you're in the middle of those lakes, a lot of times you can just walk around. You know you can get out if you want and and walk around. There's more firm bottom, but it's like once you get closer to those banks, that's where you know you you can you can get into some trouble. And that that shook me up. You know that that was one where it's like lesson learned. You know uh, I'm pretty good about wearing a PFD uh, these days. Um, and because uh, Fowler gave me a good one, because uh, he's a good buddy, um, you know, and just you hear about too many stories down on the coast and in our rivers and lakes where it's just like all you had to do is just wear that, you know. And I just I got a family. I don't want to be that guy. So. Yeah. All right, Ryan. So uh, let's talk about spinning up deer hair. Where did that? Uh, where did you get that kick? And uh, let me see some of these. You pulled some flies out on the Yeah, it looks absolutely see. amazing. I want to see. They're not clean. Well, they're they're pretty a lot better than I can do. That's not finished with eyes and stuff, but like this is an older one that's been fished a couple times. Yeah, it's so tight on the on those on those uh packing. Dude, it's awesome. I was uh I was fishing the Lano all the time for for a long time and and fishing mostly I mean pretty much nothing but the Lano and I would I was buying hair bugs from from Orvis, right? And just going out there and launching these big hair bugs and a good weekend of bass fishing would be like ninety, hundred, hundred dollars worth of flies eaten. You know those, those mass produced. And I don't mean any knock on Orvis or, or who y'all are getting them from. I haven't looked recently, but most of those mass produced hair bugs don't last. They don't last several. You know, through several. I don't think fish. I've ever seen a fly ship hair, fly shop hair, unless someone's tying them, yeah, themselves in the shop. But like any, any company you order from, they're all, yeah. you know, the guys at, at the Arboretum. I think Jeff and, and, and company told me the prices were going up. You know, they were going to go from like eight or nine bucks to like 12 or 13 because they were going to start getting them from Umqua or something, something along those lines, right? And so I just, I was like, all right, man, cost of fishing just went up. But I, I really didn't think much of it. I, I fly fished for a while and told myself I was never going to get into tying because I just, I figured it was going to get ugly if I did, you know? And uh, 
And so I managed to avoid it for a long time. Right around the time those prices were going up, I had to start fishing with, with Gabe and, and Brandon, those guys that told me about Pat. And so, you know, I was going to I was thinking about buying some flies off him. But then I started thinking, like, well, if the prices are going up here and his, his flies are, are expensive, but the last line, like, why don't I just tie him, you know? And so I, I messaged Pat and I said, you know, I've never tied even a woolly bug or a clouser. Can I, can I skip all that and go straight to deer hair, realistically, if I, if I practice a bunch or whatever? He's, I'm like, can I do that? I don't want to tie woolly buggers or clousers. I'll buy those, you know? And, and uh, he's like, if you get the, the right tools and you get my DVD, you know, you'll be able to tie them. But he's like, it'll take some, you know, practice or whatever. And so I ordered a vice from him. You know, I got the peak rotary. I got the tools. Um, I got I got the deer. Well, for, originally I did get a vice from Orvis that just I broke after like a couple weeks. So I didn't order the vice from him right away. But after I broke that, that I don't mean to trash all. It's not like an Orvis label. But um, I, I decided I'm going to get the peak and, and just – it was kind of downhill from there. I think what vice that would have been probably just like a cheap. It, was it like a cheap kit vice? Oh or yeah, it's like thirty or forty dollars yeah. at the time. It was not. It wasn't like a. I don't know. But I I, I tinkered around on other vices, you know, and and that peak. It's like he ties off it. Other folks tie off it, and um, I just started tying deer hair flies, just lots and lots and lots of them. And um, I remember, you know, starting to starting to catch fish on them, starting to get that good action, and. Uh, Thought I was like, oh, I I know everything there is to know about fly tying, right? I, I'm a I'm a deer hair, you know, um, I'm not gonna say guru, but I I thought I was I thought I was you know really really good at tying flies, and then I I went and sat with Pat when he was at uh, Sportsman's Finest. He came in town and did a couple seminars there, and I remember thinking to myself, I'm gonna go sit with them so I can just learn more about deer hair. I was fo- hyper focused on deer hair, deer hair, deer hair, right? And I, um, I knew I was pretty good at tying them, but I knew I could learn more and. Um, when I went and sat with him, I learned how to tie a whole fly. I learned what it, how to tie a, a tail, um, a collar section, other other types of flies, and just techniques about how you wrap something, how you wrap a plume of marabou, right? How you want those shorter tips over the, the, the longer tips, right? And here's why. And just It was one of those things where it's like after I left there, I was like, man, I went there for more deer hair, and I just learned all this other stuff. Um, and so it was just, you know, it was kind of, kind of downhill from there. It was, I wanted to imitate, tie up a whole bunch more deer hair bugs. I didn't want to buy them. I wanted bugs that would last a while. And that's, that's how it happened. What do you like about deer hair? Why deer hair? The guy that got me into fly fishing had come down to Texas to visit me. He caught his personal best fish on a fly rod, his personal best bass on any gear on a, on a big like rainbow popper type deal, fruit cocktail, uh, deer hair bug, and he'd gone on to catch like probably fifteen, twenty fish that day on that on that fly. And so after that, I was like, I don't know about these hard body poppers because I'd I'd use them, they'd work well, but as soon as you hit the side of the boat oh, yeah. or a rock, then they chip and their action's all out of whack. And so, um, started fishing deer hair poppers, and then I started fishing the um, the frogs, the divers. And I just became addicted to divers. I'm like, these things, I get the old ones from Orvis. They're either yellow, black, or they had, like, the frog pattern, yep. you know? And those just, I With just With the fished. rabbit strip tail. Yes, sir. I yep. just fished the heck out of them. And, uh, but again, like, a good weekend of bass fishing was costing me 90 bucks in flies, 100 bucks in flies. And so it was like, it would actually make sense to, the, the old joke, hey, you tie flies to save money. It's not really the thing. I told myself I was saving money for, like, the first couple months of it. 
it's <laughs> you know how it is. So. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I ended up getting a part-time job just to kind of get this habit. Yeah. Paid exactly. for Exactly. <laughs> what are some, uh, what are some like, give us like a couple deer hair tying tips. If you were talking to somebody that's never tied deer, if you're talking to me, I've tied deer hair a couple of times. Uh, I like tying poppers, but I like tying foam head poppers. I haven't really gotten into deer hair. Uh, so Say I, man, I was hard for two months on it, and, and just enough to be like, okay, I can do it if I wanted, but I, I think I'm, I think I'm good. Yeah. I tied some lantelopes up for the first time for the first time the other day. Um, what are some uh, What are some deer hair tips you would give me? The most important one I think is is thread. So you know, there's a lot of threads out there you can spin and and, and stack deer hair with, but I think the best one by far is is GSP yeah. 200. And so, um, that's, that to me is, is, you know, I've heard guys swear by Kevlar. Um, I've heard guys swear by sewing thread they pick up at Walmart. Right. But, um, the, the, the Vivas seems to get it to flare. Um, it's durable. Right. Um, and it just, that would be, that would be probably tip number one, tip number two. And the breaking strength on it is pretty high. Yes, sir. Exactly. Exactly. So you can cinch down on it. And it's gonna it's gonna make that hair flare perfectly without shredding. Um, you know, thread tension is a big part of doing this, right? Making sure that um, as you're stacking stuff, as you're wrapping stuff, there's always good thread tension. So that that's that in my mind is is number one. Number number one A would be um, a good quality hair packer. You know, okay. um, yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not um, you know plugging Pat's fugly packer because. He's the, you know, I'm biased because he, he, you know, effectively taught me how to tie a fly, but I do think it's the best tool. Um, there's a, there's some, some folks overseas that do a lot of quality deer hair work. They all pack from what I gather with their, with their hands, which you can do and you can turn out an incredible fly. Um, but the, the thing is, it's just, it's a matter of, do you want to put a two ot barb through your fingernail? Yeah. You know, and I just... That fugly packer that he designed is is. Yeah, I have it, one. Okay, so you yeah. know what yeah. I'm talking about. Yeah. Man. I mean, it's it's it it, it it it's like a green claw with a uh, little hole in it to fit around mm-hmm. the hook shank. I mean, it does the job perfectly. A lot of folks in the groups will say, "Oh, I get the same thing with a with a big pen," and it's just like, yeah, no, you yeah, post your yeah. flies. Then. Yeah, you know, don't 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 convince me with with just you know the big pen argument. You know, post post some of your work. You right. know, if you want to say it's does the same thing because I don't think it does, but. Um, you know, even when you're when you're stacking, the th- the third important tip I would say is, and I've never stacked. And stacking, I don't understand because I know that's how you get the patterns yeah. on the top, but I don't understand. But I also haven't looked into it that much either. You're flaring hair on the bottom side of the hook shank, mm-hmm. and then on the top side, and then as you as you do that, you're doing. You know, I've got one stack here, I've got a second stack here. And then I got a little third one up front. Right? So you've you've tied up you've tied a grouping down, and then you're gonna tie another grouping on top of that. And as you cinch, it folds itself in, and that's how you're getting these designs. As you're cutting, you'll see them more so when you cut everything down. Yes, but that's how you're, in a sense, exactly that stacking. Yes, sir. Uh, packs of hair on top of each other, and it, at different times. So like, I'll I'll, I'll tie on a clump of white first, right? Mm-hmm. And I start above the hook shank. I'll cinch it down a little bit at an angle and then I'll roll it to the bottom part 
I'll put my finger up here on that thread wrap when it's on the shank, and then I tighten it up with my finger there. So that hair flares, but it can't go up because my fingers are, so it just goes down, right? Mm-hmm. And then once it flares down, I'll, I'll wiggle it around and make sure no, no hairs got caught in the bend of the hook. I'll wrap that thread around one more time, glue it, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put, you know, a, a clump on top of that, and then depending on what I'm doing, I might pinch the sides of that clump as I'm flaring it down, or I might put my thumb flat on it, flare it out, put another clump on there, and then that second clump, I'll put my fingers on the side so it kind of flares up. And, and that, that's, I, I want a big collar here, right? Now, if I'm doing a, a, a popper, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to manipulate that hair a little bit differently as I'm flaring it out. I'm not going to, you know, but the idea is, is when you're doing that, so I've got one stack here above and below, second stack, third stack. I want to try and keep the amounts of hair above and below close to equal. Mm-hmm. All right, Pat told me, taught me that they, you know they, they really do need to be equal and he's he's right but the the thing is is I want a big collar and I want a lot of hair up top I don't want a lot of hair down below I don't want that thread getting pushed lower and lower as I wrap more up down here because a I want hook gap B I don't want to come through with a razor and just destroy you know your thread work right yeah so um, but yeah that would be that would be my, my basic tip tips is just good thread the right tools you know fugly packer and then just making sure you're you're manipulating that hair and i'm making it sound easier than it is but i think a lot of folks think it's more difficult than it is because here's the thing and this isn't a knock on pat or or ricky or any of these other great deer hair if i can do this anybody can right um you know and that's why you know if i'm talking to guys about deer hair you know showing off these bugs it's not because i'm trying to sit here and sell you them you know i think if i can do it y'all and y'all have a vice you absolutely can tie these up no but to your point the the importance of of good tools will really make the difference and yeah and and because i mean there was tons of time not having the right thread you're halfway through stacking or halfway halfway through that shank you already got stuff on there you're packing tight you're pulling tight and then boom breaking off you know, and you're breaking off on 210, and you're just like, this isn't, this isn't the right. And it's easy to get so frustrated on it to do it. But man, these are, that's, but like anything else, even starting with the sport, just keep cranking at it. And, yeah. you know, you, you run into those. This, these are awesome, awesome, the, awesome. My family trolls me fairly regularly. So they'll, they'll go find like, you know, chartreuse deer hair in the icebox. I was going to ask, where's the weirdest place you found deer hair? On the dogs, in the icebox, in the microwave. Um, I went to go stir some kind of meat soup concoction I was making the other day. And as soon as I start stirring, I see just little pieces of marabou floating off. Man, it's like, no, get, you're not going in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's amazing when you're tying a lot. You get, I mean, there's times I'll, I'll You have walk a personal in. vacuum for your dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, but my wife would say I don't use it nearly enough because, I mean, she's right, I don't. I need to be better about that. But it's also something where it's like work and kids. And, I mean, I, I, I tie till pretty late at night, right? I don't want to tie right after work when the kids are, you know, done with school, when, when my wife's done with work. I want, I want to not be a hermit. So when everyone's kind of going down to bed, that's when I start tying. I'm not going to run the vacuum at 2 in the morning you yeah. know, or 1 in the morning. Like. I saw a guy's rig one time, and he had cut a hole in his desk, mm-hmm. ribbed, rigged a shop vac, and he would just, like, flip the switch and then push all of the materials into the hole. And I was the, like, uh, that's genius. The table, the table at Bass Pro had – had a hole. Did it? 
Nice. Yeah, had a whole just like that. It's it's a good idea in theory, and I'm not trying to be the negative Nancy, but like when you're sitting here and you got that, you got a you carve these with a flexible straight razor, right? Yeah. And you're you're just running that up. You're just getting these little Micro. microscopic yeah. pieces of deer hair everywhere, and so it's like I can clean up the majority of the big mess at the desk, right? But as soon, and I can I'll get up and I'll do this big brush off like I'm a freaking grizzly bear, you know, getting all this <laughs> hair flying off me. But even that, it's like I take a couple steps across the room, look down at the dark floor, and it's like, yep, there, there's like I'm leaving a trail like a yeah. somebody just threw a grenade at a rainbow-colored deer. No, know? several times the dog has walked from one room to another, coming in like a like a, a static electricity, just f- falling it. You know, he's got marabou, different colors all over him. Of course, I get yelled at for that, but, you know, <laughs> what do you do? What's your – you said you had an interesting origin story. Just – yeah, I, I had uh, – this will be a big surprise. I'm trolling one of my best friends, you know, relentlessly back in the day. Um, I I grew up fishing, you know, gear and, and throwing, you know, topwater plugs for for bass and pike and and uh, and muskie. And uh, and my buddy went off to college. He went out to to Montana, and he started talking to me about you know fly fishing. And so I like immediately I started making fun of him and his trouts. I didn't call him trout. I call him trouts just to be as big of an a-hole as I could right <laughs> um and and so you know I, I made fun of him for a couple of years and fast forward he moves back from Montana and and uh we're doing a trip to the Bounty Waters up 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 cuts the uh Minnesota and the Canadian border right? this big system of uh lakes and and hiking trails and flowages and rivers and creeks and there's no motors allowed up there it's just absolutely beautiful and so We'd we'd done the trip a, a bunch and it always just been conventional stuff for fun. But in the morning we're fishing live bait for to survive, to catch walleye, you know, to eat and pike to eat, but mostly walleye. And uh, it's hike everything in, right? So when I say bait, like somebody's actually hiking in a, a bait bucket of you know little minnows, and somebody else has got a bait bucket of uh, of leeches. So anyways, we we're up there for one of those trips and. Uh, I hadn't caught anything for like four or five days, and I was just, I was fit to be tied. I was miserable to be around. I was pouting. I didn't want to fish. The only reason we were alive was because my cousin was catching just tons of walleye every morning, and so we are eating good, but I just wasn't catching anything. And uh, my buddy has his eight weight, and he's like, you know, it can't hurt, you know, compared to where you're at now, you know. Mm-hmm. And I had thrown that same eight weight next to his parents' barn, you know, a couple weeks before that, and and he taught me how to cast pretty quick. You know, I just this is the timing, right? And and so we're out in a canoe off a of, off the backside of an island that we've been camping on, and uh, I got a hard bodied red and white popper on, and I'm just throwing it out there as close to the bank as I can, and just a big big blow up on it, and I I I lift the rod back, and I see the fly come sailing back at me. And I, I swore, and then I just just dropped it right in the middle of that big swirl, right, and just started working the fly again. And that thing came back, and, and, and I stuck him that time. And I'm playing the fish back to my buddy in the back of the canoe, and he nets it. And I'm like, dude, it's a moose. It's a moose. And he's holding up the fish. It's a 30-plus-inch northern pike. It's a big – it's a good-sized oh, fish for my – awesome. Yeah, I mean, I was – but, like – 15 feet behind the canoe is a full bull moose swimming through the water, like right, right there. And, and so, you know, what those, a moment. so those, those, it, it was, but it was also like the only thing we were afraid of up there when we were younger was, was 
an encounter with a moose. We we didn't worry about wolves or bears or any other stuff. It's just moose are there and they're stupid enough to to charge and kill you. And so, you know, I I I'm like, and my buddy's like, yeah, it's a moose. He's holding up the fish, and I'm just like, oh, turn around. I started digging and and paddling, and you know, my cousin's still on the island. He's waving over to us. He sees you know the fish and the moose and all that. And we got back to civilization, you know, a, a day or two later. I went into the Orvis shop uh, outside Chicago in uh, Deerfield, Illinois. I bought an eight-weight there. Um, and then I went to the old Ed Shirley shop, which is a tackle shop. I don't think it's there anymore, um, outside of Chicago. And I bought um, a six-weight, a six-seven combo. And I just got, you know, I, I went crazy with it. I was fishing golf course ponds and some local stuff around the Chicago area. Really, at the time, it just it didn't. Really, what wasn't my cup of tea? We'd always been fishing way up north, you know. And so, after that that pike trip, we went up to northern Wisconsin, and I stuck like four or five smallies in just one pool in a morning, um, and that was it. I just after that, it was like you know, I'm I'm I haven't been you know only fly since then. I've picked up gear here and there. You know, I'll fish gear with my uncle. Um, I'll fish gear if the weather's absolutely horrible and we're trying to sight fish a redfish. You know. Yeah. If, I'm not going to waste my time out there if it's you can't sight fish, but just the idea of being able to go have fun on a small creek. I never did that with conventional gear. And so the fly rod told me that I could go catch fish in circumstances that, you know, I couldn't before. And um, and I just did it for bass and pike for a while. I, I never really got into the trout game, you know, and um, moved back down here and, and started putts around on the salt and um, – started really focusing more on the the hook country rivers and uh it just and then i got into the whole tying thing and it's just been one big cash drain since so <laughs> <laughs> it, i always i i describe it to my wife and and, and folks that don't do it or and my wife fishes but just you know when i was first talking to her i'm just like you know what some some dudes go to the bar some dudes go to the club i just like i, I want to go just walk around a creek or a river and that sets me right after a rough day or a rough week of work. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it's one of those things where it's, I think it's a healthy hobby. I think it's fun. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's neat. Feeding flies to fish. Is your wife a good on time. board? Oh, yeah. 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 She's, she's, uh, you know, people people see me post fish and they just, uh, you know, they say, oh, you're a good fisherman. I'm not a good fisherman. I'm a volume fisherman because I've got a cool wife. Because I'm a volume fisherman, I catch fish here and there, right? And so it's just, I fish a lot because, you know, I'm, She's cool. Uh, I set that expectation early on. In all fairness, I told her, you know, stop. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do that. But I'm going to I'm going to fly fish till I can't move my arms or legs anymore. You know, and that's just that's just the deal. And you know, she's she's embraced it. I still remember her first bass on the fly. Um, she'd had four or five trips where she was just getting skunked, but close. You know, and she stuck with it. She was patient. And uh, we're out there on the lano. She throws out a little bug. And she's throwing it near a log, and it's just crystal clear, slower water. And I'm about to tell her to pick up and cast to my to our nine, because there's a you know two and a half, three pound fish right there just sitting above the grass. And right as I'm about to tell her that, I see the fish just beelining towards her fly from like 15 feet away, you know. And she sits there and just watches this thing swim up and sip her you know foam hopper or whatever. And and uh, she's like, I get it. She's like, I see. You know the visual aspect of it. The it kind of feels like you're shaking hands with the fish with the lighter gear, and uh, it just the kids learned how to how to cast quickly. Um, because I didn't make it about fly fishing. I just said we're gonna go out for a hike and enjoy nature. Yep. 
if you feel like doing this, cool. If you don't, you don't have to. Um, our daughter picked it up much faster than, than, than me or any of my buddies ever picked it up. She got it quick. The boy got it quick. Um, you know, and just, they're not as, as addicted to it as I am. Obviously I'm, I'm crazy about it. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a, a lure, a fly, whatever, till I can't, and, uh, but they enjoy it, you know, and they, they understand why I do it. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's cool. I got I'm very fortunate to have an understanding wife. She, uh, she really does let me do a lot of crazy stuff. That's down awesome. Between flats and mountains and all that, all that business. So what's your uh, most memorable experience? on the fly most memorable one um man i i don't know i i really do get a kick out of seeing buddies of mine catch their first of something first carp first redfish specifically like i've seen a lot of buddies i've been there with a lot of them when they've caught their first carp or redfish you know and that seeing that that click you know in the context of sight fishing something, stalking something, um, you know, seeing my buddy Bill, you know, we had a couple trips down there where it was tough. And then we met up with Nate and Nate just, you know, coached him through it and, and got him on the fish. And then he got 19 more on his own that day. You know, it was just that oh, kind of day, awesome. you know. And um, I, I think the, that whatever that memory is, it involves a buddy. You know, it's not, it's not, I've caught fish by myself. I've caught fish with friends. I love catching fish. Um, but like sitting there like, uh, you know, watching a buddy make a cast or, 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 you know, being on a platform and calling out a fish to somebody who can't see it, you know, and then watching him make that cast exactly at, you know, 1030 and, and picking that fish up. That's just, that's a different kind of rush, you know, and that's, that's not my segue into, you know, announcing a guide gig because I'm definitely, definitely not guiding. Um, but it's just, uh, I, 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 I'm lucky to do it a lot. So it's hard to say like, there's one fish that sticks out in my mind for me, but uh, probably my first legit bull redfish. You know, it yeah. was actually in Texas, um, and it was my buddy was in the middle of a fight, and um, I grabbed my buddy's rod, which ended up being an effing five weight. <laughs> I don't even know why he had that on a skiff. <laughs> um, and I I had seen a big blow up to three o'clock, and um, I'm looking at this cloud of mud and. Just looking and looking, and I just see this big dark triangle come out of it. I'm like, oh, that's that's a big head, and I I made a shot with that five weight and hooked up, and it was a, uh, I don't know if we ever pulled a measurement off it, but the the gentleman we were with that day, I mean, it was definitely over thirty. You know, it was a it was a fun fight. It wasn't anything that lasted a long time because I mean, just you fight the thing on the reel more so than the rod, and I think that might be one of my most memorable ones. I had given up on saltwater fly fishing for like two years, three years. I just stopped doing it because I was getting my rear end hand, handed to me down there, you know, uh, between weather, I lost a boat off the top of my truck. I almost sunk my truck in mud. I mean, it was just, why am I doing this? And my, my buddy John's like, you know what? We're going to go down there. We're going to get a guide. We're not going to be putting in the work. We're just going to learn a lot. And I was like, all right. And that day was the, the day I got that big redfish and we'd caught four or five species. And probably saw 30 or 40 fish to the boat. And it was just like, that's, that's how you do it. <laughs> yeah, so it's, I, that that might be one of them. Um, yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, how did you lose a boat off your truck? I had a, I had a cheap Academy canoe stolen down at the coast, and and so I'm like, you know, I do this enough. I've been hiking a canoe into Devils, the Del Norte unit, back when that trail was two miles 
or close to two miles. Now I believe it's like less than one or whatever. Um, I'd been putting one on my shoulders on a yoke and hiking it in through the park so I could traverse the river, fish the river there, but not have to commit to covering X amount of miles in a day and illegally camping or, or whatever, you know? And so, um, I've decided after that canoe got stolen, I'm going to invest in a lighter weight one because of all the stuff I'm doing down on the devils with it. And, uh, I got a really good, I don't remember the brand, but it was something that was like, it was, it was less than half the weight of my old cheap Academy canoe, 1500, two grand, somewhere in there, you know, um, had it, had a yoke on it so I could square it off of my shoulders and carry it easily. And, uh, I, I tried it out once or twice. I'm heading from the coast or from Austin area down to the coast and all of a sudden I hear this, boom, 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 you know, and I thought I hit like a hog. And so I pull off and I get out. And as soon as I get out, I just notice that the canoe's not on top of my truck anymore. You know, like what? And so I, cars coming down 183 and I could see their brake lights throwing on back there. So I know there's, I start thinking maybe it just bounced and slid and they're, they're breaking because they don't want to hit the canoe. So I run back, back down the highway and it's in 10,000 pieces. And I was like, man. I had an old camper shell on that that big old truck, and so I had that canoe, you know, on top of the camper shell, on top of the cab, just roped down a bunch, and but not roped down enough. I mean, it was just yeah. Bad. I I, lo- I have a story like that. I was moving in Lubbock when I was in college. I had a chair in the back of my truck, and I had like thrown like a strap over right, but it was a chair sitting low in a truck bed. Threw a strap over it. You know, it wasn't like it was sitting up high. And at one point, I look up in my rear view mirror, and that chair is, like, in the air. Like, the wind picked it up. Oh, my gosh. And it was just, like, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So I see it land, and then it kind of goes out of view. And I'm like, (laughs) So I, like, take the exit. (laughs) I take the exit. I loop around and then, like, do another loop, like, do another turnaround, get back on. And I'm like, I hope no one got hurt. I hope that the chair is still there. And I get up there, it's in like 10,000 pieces. Like someone smoked it. And then I like tried to pull over and like start picking up pieces. But there was a ton of traffic. And I was like, you know what? I'm Can't get yourself. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm out. Yeah. It was, uh, it was after that that I, because I, all my coworkers and, and folks back then used to be like, yo, you're a kayaker. And I'd be like, no, I ain't a kayaker. I'm a canoeer. <laughs> There's a or canoeist or whatever. I, like, I wanted to make sure that, that that was a known, you know, I'm, I'm not a kayaker. So I don't know why I was so weird about it. Probably why I'm weird about trout. But um, but at that time, that's that's right around the time I'd, I've been fishing with Gabe and Brandon Robinson. Both of them told me about Diablos. And so I'm like, they're saying this thing's made for fly fishermen, right? It's 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 good for hill country rivers and good for red fishing, right? It's going to do all these things. and. Like, there's no way it can be that, you know, everything it's hyped up to be. It's like, man, I have, that kayak is uh, way more than it was hyped up to be. I, <laughs> s- I still have it. I still fish off it. I mean, I bought a skiff. I still fish off the damn kayak, you know. Like, it's it's one of those things where it's just like, it's always going to be fun to paddle around and, and catch fish, especially yeah. sight casting redfish or carp. Well, I shouldn't say carp. Most, most of my carp are on foot, but, but for redfishing, those things are a blast. I mean, holy cow. Um, you have any other crazy? You stole some good ones, man. You lost a canoe. You sunk in mud. You got any other crazy fishing stories? I mean, I, I go on for hours. We, we used, before 
I, so like when I was younger, we used to hang out in the Keys a lot and, uh, and fish down there. And I mean, just the stuff you see fishing, the, those backwaters, fishing the deep waters. I mean, I, I had, uh, we were, my buddy's parents lived down there for a long time. And so we always had the opportunity to go down there and not have to pony up for the expensive hotels and guides. They had the boats. They were on a canal. They were fisher. They were, his dad was a fisherman. You know, he wasn't just living in Florida. And so, you know, we'd go down there and we'd all, his parents would all, his dad was always put us on fish, really good fish. And so we're hung over, I mean, bad. And I'm, uh, we're running probably 20 miles out and I'm, I'm trying to stay awake and I got a couple rods, you know, to my right, you know, he's got a couple rods on his side and then we got the, the down riggers, you know, that are running stuff deep and we're just trolling all this stuff looking for, looking for, you know, um, uh, Dorado, uh, you know, sailfish and, and, and tuna, skipjacks, that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, all of a sudden, like I'm, I'm out asleep and I hear the big snap next to me and, my buddy's diving across me, grabbing that rod, apologizing to me all at like once. And I'm like, no, man, I was asleep at the wheel. Don't apologize. And he's fighting this sailfish. I mean, this thing is is running to Cuba. I mean, it, it's just, it's jumping. And he's he's fighting it for what seems like a good half an hour when the thing throws a hook, you know. And 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 it, it was it was like right after a jump or right in the right at the beginning of the jump. I mean, we see the thing kind of fluttering in the air for a second. We know the fight's over. <clears throat> that 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 plug lure hits the water, and a trailer, second sailfish that had been swimming with the one we were fighting, shows up out of nowhere, green and fresh as can be, and, and eats the thing. And my buddy's, like, looking back at me and looking up at his dad on the bridge, and he's just like, I can't believe it, you know? And he fought that thing for half an hour, 45 minutes, and we, we got it to hand. You know, awesome. it had a, the, the fish had a tag in it. We called the tag in and we got a good, we got a successful release. And it was like, you know, that wasn't fly fishing. It was just conventional fishing. But it's one of those things where it's like, what are the odds of that? Ha- you yeah, know, no. like yeah. what, how yeah. on earth does that, does that deal even work? Where, you know? what, and, did they give you any information about the tag? Like where that fish had been or where it was tagged or? I don't remember. You don't remember? No. And I, I mean, it's just. We we spent a lot of time down. I was I was really fortunate enough to to have those opportunities because I mean, we just we could we literally could catch bonefish like not even five minutes out of his canal. You know, there's Rodriguez Rodriguez Key is right there, um, off of uh, off of Isla Morada or, or Rock Harbor, wherever it was that they lived, and you could just go patrol around Rodriguez Key, and it's just hundreds of yards of this, you know, sand flat yeah. stuff, and just set up there with your, your live shrimp or eventually flies and, and catch bonefish, you know. Um, so it's just such a cool, cool area, you know. Uh, we, we entertain the idea of possibly moving down there, but I don't know if I can do <laughs> – I don't know if we can do coast, so. <laughs> <laughs> no, Ryan, that's awesome. Uh, dude, thanks for coming on. He is awesome. <laughs> I feel like – I, I mean, feel like we I could keep, keep going. going. Yeah, exactly. We, we can go another keep hour. Maybe easy. we need to bring you back in a bit and do no. this again. Bring the, bring the vice, bring the vice, and uh, tie some flies, and just just talk shop or yeah. talk more yeah. fishing or do it on the water. Uh, you know, I was messaging little. Above. Now little wants to be on as well. So. Get him on, man. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. So thanks him for the questions for you this evening. But uh, thank you so much. Dude, flies are awesome. The, well, thank the you, knowledge man. is, is great. Um, I, I kind of want to go home tonight and spin some stuff up. But do it, do it, do it. 
So, I, think I, I think I gotta put in another four hundred dollar order in new new fly or materials, some updated materials I need. So thanks. It's fun, man. We'll we'll get together, tie some flies, and get out on the water. You know, it's gonna yeah. be October tomorrow, and and that's the redfish will start getting yeah. really really good down there. So you know, oh, thanks for having me. This is awesome. Really appreciate it. Uh, good to just talk shop and and. Uh, it's know. always good to talk to you, man. We used Perfect. to spend a lot of time together at the shop. Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. And Orvis, and then I moved here and was working in a different shop and didn't see you for a couple of years, and then ran into each other at Oktoberfish. We really want to talk with you and not get trolled by you, it sounds like. So I think we're, <laughs> I think we're on the right side. I think we're on the good side. So. Oh, no, it's all, it's all good <laughs> until, it on, I, until I see you all with, like, a quad nymph rig out on the quad. <laughs> then I'm going to let you have it. Then yeah. I won't tell you that I Euro nymph then. It'll yeah. be fine. Awesome. So what are your, before we go, what are your thoughts on Tinkara? Uh, you know, honestly – if 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 we were if we were in a mountain stream right now and and you handed me a Tinkara rod or a nymph rig, I'd take that Tinkara rod yeah, all day long. Okay. I'll get that out there for the whole internet to hear. I just <laughs> I the idea of 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 the whole nymphing thing just just it it blows me away. Um, you know, and it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, everyone's different, and I'm not judging people for what they want, but it's like if it was strictly a numbers game for me. And I needed to catch, you know, as many fish as I hear from the nymph crowd that, you know, there's more you know, fish they catch. I probably wouldn't fly fish, you know. I don't know. I just, I, the idea of, of, of dabbing something. And that's also, like, I'm a sight fisherman. Yeah, I, I mean, for I, someone who's tying I, bugs like this, I get it. It's it's, it's just, the, I, I prefer to, to sight fish a carp or prefer to sight fish a redfish than blind catch, you know. And that's not judging that's just my own personal preference. You know, I, before I ever fly fished, I, I wanted to sight fish bass with topwater plugs, sight fish northern with topwater plugs, just because seeing it and seeing that topwater thing was just, was always so much fun. But like, um, you know, once I, once I started seeing fish on flats, eat, you know, bonefish and, and, and redfish and, and, you know, that kind of stuff, it was just like, man, that's, that's, this is too much fun, you know, and it's just that, it's just a weird thing. So, can uh, people buy your deer hair bugs from you? They can. Um, I'm a little backed up right now. I gotta get a, a shop order or two in. Um, I've got these sliders are technically spoken for that need to go out that I just haven't been able to ship out the last couple of days. So um, I don't have a shop front or, or a website. I used to a while ago. I used to actually host my own stuff out of my garage, but like that that time came and went. So, but yeah, message me. I saw him, you know. What's um, your Instagram? And we'll put it in the description too. Fly fishing bassman Instagram, or just look me up on Facebook. And and I, you know, I'm I'm I don't do this for the money. I would rather, you know, the three of us going fishing tomorrow, and I'll stay up till two or three in the morning tying y'all flies, and I don't want one red penny. I just want to see one of y'all catch, catch a, a fish, fish on, on it, one, you know. Yeah. And that, but it's like if you're in 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 Florida. No offense, to anybody who's from Florida. I'm not trying to trigger anybody but if you're far away and i don't know you then i'm and you want two dozen bugs and you're gonna pay for them right but if like we're fishing um you know for redfish tomorrow then you're gonna have a lot of different versions of this to choose from and if you want a couple of them you're gonna get a couple of them and you know that's just that's just that it's like if i got laid off tomorrow i'd 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 you know start selling more officially probably um promoting it a lot heavier and say hey you know um tying ahead and be like here's a box for a hundred or whatever but like 
with a job and, and, and family and stuff like that, I don't want it to become work. Yeah. You know, it's just, it's too much fun to, to sit around and just, just tie, you know, um, especially when it's conditions out where you can't fish. What do you do when you tie? You listen to music or, uh, listen to music. Um, and the, and the, and it rain the, 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 it, it, it is a, uh, very wide spectrum of going all back to Jane's addiction, Rolling Stones, uh, Led Zeppelin, Van Halen to newer stuff. That's like, um, just more random. Like Amy Winehouse. I like her voice, right? Like, I mean, she's a, was a, you know, kind of a, a, a train wreck in real life, but, I like listening to her voice when I'm tying flies, you know, Mazzy Star, Hope Sandoval. Like, I, if if I was 20 and you said we were going to a Mazzy Star, Hope Sandoval concert, I would have been real tough, rah, rah. But it's like, I'll listen to that when I'm tying flies or when I'm on the road with my wife, you yeah. know, like, I, absolutely. So it's, but uh, so right right now, the big kick would be, uh, man, I don't know. I listen to a lot of different it's stuff. Cr- it's cr- having back-to-back podcast where we've gone from like punk to yeah we talked with you Chris yeah, about punk rock you know, to, to, to now going to that you know these genres and in that would have been like early 90s Jane's addiction yeah sure. so yeah. you know to, to to see that well again everyone's different and and but that's that's still pretty cool one comment from the episode last week I watched that Woodstock documentary yes yes have you seen the the Netflix Woodstock uh, ninety nine Woodstock ninety nine? No. Oh, oh that was like they made a documentary about like I guess that was the last official Woodstock yeah. that happened. Yeah, no need to and do it, another one. And it hadn't happened in a couple of years before that. So these big guys put on this Woodstock. Well, the same Woodstock like, guys put on the ninety nine one with Limp Bizkit and Corn and yeah. all this stuff, and then all shit went hmm. down. Oh yeah, it was like my my yeah. sister, my cousin, and a couple of our all mutual friends went went to that. Oh, oh did they? Oh, I remember gosh. hearing like horror stories yeah. about like well, all sorts of crazy stuff. You'll going see on. it on because they have everything. They talk to everybody uh, from the top to all the way bottom to people that just showed. It I could have told just, you by the lineup that it wasn't going to be a Woodstock when you get Limp Biscuit, Corn. Something, well, something a little different. Well, you had like, I mean, you still had Jewel and Cheryl Crow, but you, yeah, I think Rage Against the Machine was there. You had Red Hot Chili Peppers. Red Hot Chili Peppers. Just so yeah. like, Man. it's a different crowd, yeah. right, than a Woodstock crowd. Yeah, no, not than the traditional yeah. the the Woodstock hippies. Yeah, this was that. Yeah. I, that's I it's heard mo- the same thing yeah. from my sister and my cousin. It was yeah. it got pretty hairy there. Oh man, yeah. yeah. If you if you've got a, a, a they didn't hours have, they to didn't kill, let, they didn't let people take in water, and it was like on an airport yeah. tarmac, and waters were like seven bucks, and people couldn't afford them, and it just gets just worse. Like, it just gets worse, worse and worse. Yeah. yeah, logistical nightmare. Yeah, oh, it just it's they basically it's a car wreck. You can't yeah you can't. <laughs> Look away. It's, a, it's yeah, three a three volume or a three yeah, episode, episode car wreck that is just like each. And I hadn't even heard about that. So you guys mentioned it last week, oh. and I was like, oh, I gotta watch that. I, I forgot what they called it. It was just like a train a train wreck. I think is the name of of the of the actual documentary, but it's it's about it's on Netflix. So I have to check that out. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, Ryan. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah. This is great. We'll do it again. Amazing. Absolutely. We'll go fishing. We'll, we'll tie yeah. flies. We'll do this again. I like to again. go fish in San Gabe. Yeah, I would love to go up there. I we think. would. Uh, I'd love to have y'all once we get some rain. Yeah. It's, it, all my carp spots are dry. I mean, yeah, now the main stem of it, I see guys fishing that, but I'm not really – I'm not as familiar with that as I am, like, the, the upper reaches of it. But, yeah, we'll, we could go fish the main stem and, and figure it out. There's carp there. Right? Yeah. So it's better than going and – and stomping the dry uh, forks of it because it's we need rain. That's yeah. just fingers crossed, gentlemen. Sure. <laughs> All right, Ryan. Thanks, man. We really appreciate you coming on. This is great. Thank you, gentlemen. Look in the description below to find links to our website, online store, YouTube channel, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Discord server, and blog. Please send your podcast questions and inquiries to info at honeyholeangling.com. Thanks for hanging out with us. We'll see you again next week.